Welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with me, Hattie Butterworth. I am a cellist and writer recently graduated from the Royal College of Music in London. I'm on a journey to change the way musicians see vulnerability. In the classical music profession, it can often feel very difficult to talk about issues that affect us personally, such as mental health, injury, financial issues, race, gender and class, to name but a few. I believe that through connecting with other musicians about these issues, we can bring humanity into our music, understanding how ultimately the darkness we face makes us who we are and that we are not alone. Join me in guests as we have honest conversations about the things musicians don't talk about. Hi everybody, welcome back. It's just beautiful to be yeah, sharing this episode with you. And I'm aware I sound like a complete broken record. Every single podcast starts the same with me being like, I'm so pleased to be sharing this. But I genuinely am, especially today, because today's guest is just such a gorgeous person. Ray is a violinist and she, yeah, she's a long a long-term friend. We met in probably 2013, maybe? Maybe even earlier than that. 2012, I reckon, um, at the Hereford Youth Orchestra. Um, yes, and since then, and just kind of, we've moved apart and then kind of found each other, our paths across again. And I've just been following Ray on social media and she has done so many amazing things projects and is involved with the Chinake Orchestra, which is something I've been desperate to learn more about. And also she's been through, um, spent her secondary school years from the ages of 11 to 16 in the Hereford Steiner School, which is another thing I'm fascinated by, um, because I lived very close by to the Steiner School. My sisters went for sort of kindergarten age. Um, So I've always been, yeah, very interested in the education system um and we just talk about it and it's fascinating we also talk a lot about um mental health Ray's experience with her mental health in the past year especially with seasonal affective disorder this winter um the effect of the pandemic on her mental health about anxiety treatment for anxiety finding help at music college Honestly, listening to this back and editing it, I was like, wow, there's not much we didn't cover. (laughs) Um, Which is really, really cool because, yeah, I think we cover so many things that are very important as well as sort of branching out. Ray's done um, some incredible singer-songwriter work. She has a band called Lakshmi, um, which was part of her creative project in her third year at um, the Royal Northern. I don't know if I mentioned she graduated from the Royal Northern. Um, so, ugh, gracious, so much, so much in this conversation that I'm so excited for you to hear. Also, this week we announced on the podcast a huge dedication to expanding, a huge dedication to doing everything I can to end loneliness, to end the stigma of mental illness, the issues that we don't speak about in the classical music world. And I felt like there's only so much I can do on my own Um, because I'm only one person with one kind of side of experience. And so I called upon my friend and wonderful advocate, musician, person, Rebecca Toll, who is going to be the co-host, is the co-host now, and... Yeah, we're going to be doing some episodes together. We're going to be doing some interviews with people together. We're going to be doing some interviews, probably people apart as well. Um, continuing to write stuff on the blog, on the social media. So please keep in touch. Now, when you write to us on um, the Instagram, you might get a reply from Rebecca or from me. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> but I'm really, really thrilled because it just feels like another brain with so much experience in the field of of mental illness and all of that side of things to be able to yeah collaborate and just 
bring this to as many people as possible. So I'm just thrilled to be announcing that. Um, yeah, I think next this week we're planning to have um, a chat, sort of introductory chat. So maybe I'll get that get that up by the end of this week. This being Monday, the twentieth of no gracious heavens. This being Monday, the twenty first of June. Happy solstice, by the way. Um, yeah, so this is like nearly five minutes of an introduction. I'm going to shut up now and hand over to the incredible, beautiful conversation with Ray Harvey, who is just fab, and you will love her, I'm sure. Hi, Ray. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Hello. I am. Yes, I am. All right. You know, <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> You're so welcome. Oh, my goodness. It's like we've been talking about this for a while and it's just so exciting that it's finally happening um, because I've obviously, well, people probably don't realise I've known you for quite a while and like kind of from the very sort of start of my musical journey, you were you were kind of well we were in youth orchestra in Herefordshire together and you were yeah. like the leader and I was there like <laughs> back of cellos like failing oh my god <laughs> <laughs> no it's so funny because I remember I remember I, I remember very significantly like when you joined and everything yeah that's so <laughs> but that's so funny like oh I was at the back of cellos because that's literally I remember I started in that orchestra at the back of seconds like didn't know anyone I was just there through like the whole process (laughs) no it was really great but it's really nice to like to have like seen how our paths have kind of crossed again and how friends I met at Cheatham's and like from different things have like become your friends and then oh it's just amazing yeah it's really nice I think like I don't know connections like that that come back and stuff I suppose it would be really nice kind of touched on it slightly but if you could kind of tell us like your musical background your sort of general background and then the sort of journey to where you are now and what you're currently doing yes as 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 succinctly as possible (laughs) yeah so I guess so violin is my main thing that I've been you know training in and, and learning formally which I started when I was like I don't actually know because me and my mum disagree on when I started so I don't know I think oh I was about gosh. like seven or something me and my mum disagree on when I started it's like <laughs> a, a big like a dramatic thing we have as well anyway that's interesting <laughs> keep going <laughs> but um uh yeah I only started because my I think we had it like a violin teacher came into our school and then so I started learning because I think my brother and sister were both learning and I was like I want to be like them um and I just never stopped really and my parents were great enough to let me have like private lessons for like most of my childhood and like we you know just I think we because that was in Skelmersdale moved down to Hereford when I was 11 kept learning had a few different teachers some more successful than others but definitely learned something from all of them and and that was and that was when I joined the Steiner school um which is where I was like high school educated which is I don't know if I, if you want me to like talk a little bit about Steiner yeah you can introduce it sure. I mean I'm definitely not the expert on Steiner so like don't quote me um it's an educational system is the term I'm going to use uh based on the philosophy of a guy called Rudolf Steiner who's had some very interesting ideas about lots of things actually but around education it was I think um like a very holistic approach to educating children and um helping them grow into like fully rounded uh like independent adults if you like it's very creative um I guess the stereotype from for me when I was joining there was oh everyone goes there are hippies but I think I I definitely enjoyed getting to experience that for a few years at least and I continued learning violin throughout there but that was mostly privately and I don't think a lot of it really took place within school actually at that point um I was obviously in in the the town youth orchestra Hereford Youth Orchestra (laughs) with you went on I think at some point I clearly became aware that going to music college was a thing it was very interesting I think because none of my like none of my family was like formal musician like I'd say music was an important thing, but none of them were professional musicians. So we didn't particularly know like 
what the path was going to look like or what the options were that were out there. So like things like National Youth, Youth Orchestra, I probably arrived to that like concept a bit late, <laughs> um, which I think is quite common, actually. I was talking to this with some, with some other friends yesterday from the Chinike Orchestra. And we were like, yeah, none of us knew it existed until like quite late on. And then you're like, wow, there's all this out there. But yeah, so... I've heard a lot of state school people as well say that they didn't even know that like the junior departments at conservatoires were things oh, either. Oh, no, I definitely didn't know that they existed. Yeah, and like, that's like there. experience that like a lot of people could have really benefited from. It's just not really like out there or talked about. Like, yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think it was, I had a really great teacher, um in the last years before I left who I had two teachers actually I had so I had so I had Barbara Kinnard for like I'd say I don't know some of my teens she was my valley teacher she was great um and because she was I I think I think she was also like tutoring the one of the string orchestras at the time in Hereford like the youth string orchestras and then at some point she was like go find a new teacher um, which was really great of her so and I yeah. Was, yeah I know so I was learning I started learning with Lawrence Kempton and he was great and he taught me a lot and we got along really well and then I didn't ask his advice when applying for music colleges and just sort of went and did it and he was like why didn't you ask me and I was like I don't know um, <laughs> but, but hey um but I, I I I ended up getting into Royal Northern and didn't really know what to expect but I ended up there for four years so I'd say it's a pretty it's it's you know it's not the most unique story but it, it was yeah it was interesting <laughs> it's, it's interesting as well what you say about like applying for music college because it is it does feel like a lot of people just have to kind of stab around in the dark like with applying because you don't really know where to apply or like and that's something actually at Chet's like if if I hadn't gone there as a lot of me that thinks gosh I would not have known anything about about how to audition about was that decision to go to music college quite a sort of like oh just see how this goes or was it something that you had other options Um, as well or I think by the time I was actually applying I was pretty set on doing music time and the idea of doing a performance degree really appealed to me rather than like going to university yeah by that point like you know I sort of I'd, I'd had that experience of like the older you get the more you have to narrow down to one subject so I'd, I'd pretty much made my decision by then but I definitely I'd, I went for a few different music colleges I went to Welsh or Welsh as well um, which I really liked um, so I, you know, I could have ended up there and I went to, I can't even remember which, I auditioned for one of the London ones, but at the time my knowledge was like so little that I don't even remember which one it was. I think it was Royal College. Right. Yeah. But either way, it didn't go well and I didn't get in, which I think I'm probably quite grateful for now. Mm. I don't feel like I would have enjoyed it as much. Well, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of people that say that about, about like going to Manchester actually like my friend Jasmine um who didn't get into undergrad in London Mm -hmm. was like at the time so so distraught but she's like she's always saying to me now like my god that saved me from hell like you know (laughs) (laughs) Manchester just like I needed a bit of that time and and I think she's now Mm. going for her master's in London like next year and I think Mm. you know it probably is a better place to go for master's and I had like a lot of teachers telling me like don't go to London yet they'll screw you up and they were right really oh wow <laughs> they were a bit right um <laughs> but that's really interesting so how so like yeah. from since graduating which was I think with two years won't it in yes your life. It was 2019 <laughs> what what have you been up to I mean I know what like the last kind of year and a bit has been <laughs> yes uh completely stupid but like kind of what has been your trajectory since graduating I started doing like a bit, I think a fair bit of freelance work, like before I graduated, I think um, I wasn't the most focused student, but that was definitely what worked for me. (laughs) So like I wanted to be working as well. I didn't want to sort of be in a practice room 24 hours yeah, a day. But um, so I'd been sort of doing some, you know, like just the standard sort of like function gigging and weddings and stuff. 
and then I'd started to get into a bit of being involved in like workshops and stuff and because I was doing the songwriting stuff at the same time towards the last couple years of my undergrad that was also a part of my um musical activity (laughs) um so by the time I left I was just pretty happily like freelancing doing just varied things like I was working with the Chinike Orchestra which is just was just you know um I felt so lucky to have been able to get involved with them when I did and even just on a practical level like financially you know it's it's a solid gig so mm, <laughs> quite apart yeah. from the fact that it's an amazing opportunity and like working with amazing people amazing venues etc you know I feel like when you start out unless you're into a big professional orchestra it's quite it's hard to make ends meet to be honest like people expect you to do things you know it's a conversation that's had a lot but you, you're expected to do things for like exposure or for like a little fee or oh just God, your travel yeah. is covered or oh. etc oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all of that so I was working with Chinike um and lots of other great projects that people had set up most of them I'd being involved with uh before I graduated and I was also starting to work in the kind of like workshop facilitating e like education side mm. um which I've been really interested in um and that was through the Sh- a Sh- Sheffield organization actually called Music in the Round who I I did a pr- a program with them called Bridge which was it's around chamber music and then they'd chosen to focus on supporting musicians from like more diverse backgrounds uh for that particular year or however long it ended up being um which actually has ended up being so important to like my trajectory because they basically they gave us loads of opportunities they gave us coaching um we we formed a quartet and like had so many different things and we they they said look try going to a school and running a workshop and it's the first time I'd ever done that and that was amazing and then they were like oh if there's any of our projects that you are interested in we'll get you involved and like that was so just fortunate I think for me at that point that's amazing so Um, has that has that been the sort of things you've just continued to do like even through COVID, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Have you been able to kind of workshop um, and teach online or how has it been? So through COVID, um, I would say through the first lockdown, I did basically nothing. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't even know I was capable of doing that little for so long. <laughs> and it definitely wasn't a good time, but you know, as similar for everyone. And then I um, panicked a bit about doing nothing again for the next year um so I've been doing a PGCEI with um their I don't know if you've heard of them they, they were London Music Masters and now they're just called Music Masters I know. yeah so that's actually an amazing course I was <laughs> which I just sort of stumbled onto um by a friend mentioned it um but so they were running that through Birmingham City University and because I think because of COVID they decided it was going to be all online so it didn't matter where you were based and it was fully funded and I was like this is amazing so that's what I've been doing for most of, since September oh, and incredible. most other projects have been like just sort of keep being postponed <laughs> so there's a few workshop things uh and like school projects that we have in the works that just haven't quite got a concrete start date yet yeah that's basically been it and then you know very very recently just started going back and doing orchestral things which has been so nice yeah oh that sounds awesome I'm I'm wondering about this PGCEI thing <laughs> there's no shame in saying you know it's something to to have and to bide the time <laughs> with but is it something you hope is going to lead on to something else um yeah so so it's it's a, it's a PGCEI in instrumental group teaching specifically so like teaching for me it'd be like teaching groups of violins which is what I've been doing in a school in Oldham but um I think for me like I don't have 
uh, a clear idea, you know, of like what my future career is going to look like. But I'm more just trying to do things that are in a certain direction that is, you know, draws me in and 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 it tends to work out quite well. Like, you know, I'm interested and I'm passionate about it, but I don't know what that's going to look like for me. Um, and I there's this there is this um, sort of very common thing that musicians end up being teachers just sort of by chance. And they're not, you know, not not through any fault of their own. They're not particularly trained or they don't have any specific, Mm. like, experience of talking about educational philosophy or practice or any of that. And I know for me, I like to feel really prepared and, like, knowledgeable about something before I go into it. Like, I'm not very good at just blagging my way through. So I was like, look, people, it's really amazing. Like, people keep giving me opportunities to, like, go and be a part of planning workshops or similar things like that but I just don't feel like I know what I'm doing um Mm. so something like this which is in that area um it's it it has been so nice to have some direction in like learning about all of these these practices you know because myself included the amount of people that will have just been like hey do you want a student and then you're like okay but do we actually know anything about teaching just because we know about our subject? I think that's debatable. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. That's something I, you know, I suppose I just kind of like assume that bluffing it is the way to go. But actually, there's a lot to be said for like spending time to think about the development of children and what works in an education setting, like what doesn't work. And like, it's amazing that you're committing time to that. And like, I'm sure it'll pay off incredibly well. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. I mean, and obviously, like, different things work for different people. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are amazing people out there teaching with literally just get, do it learning as they go. And I have so much admiration because it's hard. It's so <laughs> hard. It's so hard. But I mean, what I'm getting from what you're saying is, like, you've kind of just made, you've brought so many different aspects in. And, like, your career just sounds, like, so exciting and like in so especially at the moment like in so many different pools but I'm just wondering like when you were like a young musician in the music service in Herefordshire where you know everybody is white did you feel there was anything in the way or did you feel you did have like growing up quite a good feeling that there would be a space for you in the music classical music world I think that you know when it's when it's just the norm that you've grown up with you don't see things as barriers it's just like well this is how it is mm. like I probably didn't necessarily I, I, I wasn't necessarily aware of the things that I was experiencing that didn't have to be that way but so for example sorry for example doing um some of the concerts that I've done with Chinike and specifically one that we did when we were doing a little UK tour and we performed in Birmingham and you know so this on the stage Chinike is a the UK and possibly Europe's first majority like black and minority ethnicity orchestra you know that's a great when you say something like that you're like oh cool and then experiencing it even as from as a musician being on the stage with this group of people where you don't feel like you stick out like a sore thumb mm. and then and on that particular concert we had this incredible audience like I've never seen an audience that looked like that at a classical concert because I think um and I think possibly even at the hall that like they didn't usually get that kind of audience it was you know it was the most diverse audience of classical music that most of us had ever seen and the the emotion that I felt like yeah. I literally could have just cried on stage and I think that to be said more about the difference that that made compared yeah. to, you know, the experience I had growing up. I think that's the most, the, the, the best way that I, the, the thing that demonstrated most to me, yeah. actually, this has had an effect. <laughs> I don't know. Listening to you explain that just gave me like such shivers. It just makes sense, doesn't it? It's like, you're not meant to be the one that sticks out it's not meant to feel like that because you're so used to it I suppose you're saying that until you experience this kind of all encompassing diverse beautiful kind of yeah and like sense of belonging I guess like you didn't know that you didn't so much yeah (laughs) that is that's amazing you know because I've I've I don't know I've always just thought especially about Herefordshire it's (laughs) always felt incredibly kind of like 
a difficult place to look different, a difficult place to be different, even in a little way, even in like, yeah. you know, even in for me in school, being a cellist felt like something that people wanted to bully me about or mm-hmm. like, and I, I'm just wondering about like, in terms of Steiner education and like the way that that is, how does that, how did that make you kind of feel in terms of feeling included or feeling I don't know, your development as like a, a young person and as a musician. I actually, I suppose that, I mean, you know, I don't know what it would have been like had I gone to like a state high school because um, I didn't experience that. But for me, it was probably one of the best places I could have gone. So if I were to generalise, especially about how it felt when we were there, the general feeling for the students was oh if you go somewhere else you just have to learn like facts by rote and you want they they want you all to look the same and think the same and Mm. like you know like that's not obviously that's not not an accurate description of of of, um state education necessarily but that was how it felt to us in comparison to what we were getting to do which was you know even just on the very basic level of we didn't have a uniform people wore what they want it was very expressive they were very um they placed a lot of importance on us being like artistic individuals and all of these things maybe that kind of like almost like entrepreneurial like mindset of like oh you've got a project well how are you gonna make this happen like that was what they encouraged more than can you remember all these facts to me was the biggest difference (laughs) you say you know oh not all state schools want you to look the same and it, they, well, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to demonise a whole, you no, know, no, no, no. but that, that was my experience of state school, you know, and, and mm-hmm. even private, in, even chats like private school, like, yeah, to be different is is not a fun thing. Like, it's not, it's not celebrated. It, at least, it really wasn't in my school, particularly in Kingston. It it really did feel exactly like you explained. Like, you were put in a box. You're squished down you're forced Mm. to work hard you decide your identity is your grades because there's nothing else so you know Mm. you beat yourself up to work towards that whereas I suppose Steiner was like to me what what I'm hearing you say is like the whole person was taken as kind of most important thing from the very start yeah it was very I don't know they wanted you to it was I don't know I feel like self-discovery and knowing you know okay what do you bring to the table was very important whereas I don't know if that's something that's talked about a lot and then in terms of like violin I've always Mm. kind of well I don't know the people I knew from Steiner it felt like there was quite a big um musical presence in the school a lot of people seem to take up instruments is Mm. that the case do you think or is that just me like (laughs) knowing a couple Um, of instrumentalists (laughs) I think probably yes and that you know ultimately it's an it's an it's it's an artistic subject it's a creative subject so that fits in very well um but then if you're looking at things like becoming a classical musician and that kind of formal training I don't think a lot of that was there wasn't much space for that within the school Mm. like well I mean they didn't particularly do they I think we they we had a very low number of um, options for like GCSEs for example that we could do so I didn't do a music GCSE um did I no I didn't <laughs> doubting myself then um, so that wasn't <laughs> something that was happening whilst in my last few years of high school um and you know it's, it was a small place and they didn't have like masses of funding to have like a big fancy music department and yeah like tutors and all these things so they were massively supportive that that was what I was doing right um, yeah <laughs> they just I think maybe didn't have the facilities to make that happen within the school there's always this kind of stigma as well about like Steiner where it's sort of no competition and like everyone's a winner kind of thing yeah I guess and like it's very very disciplined learning an instrument Um, yeah um which is it's it's funny isn't it it's like a bit of a contradiction I think I was having a conversation about this the other day of you know you go to music college you're doing you've decided you want to be a musician you want to learn an instrument that's such an artistic thing to pursue but then actually the experience of it is very very disciplined and like controlled and it's about 
sort of gaining acquiring skills you know rather than to me it felt it felt strangely contradictory that you were doing you could be doing music full-time but there wasn't a lot of emphasis placed on the creative side of music unless you were for example a composer maybe yeah yeah I I was (laughs) talking to a guy this morning about that as well he was talking about branching out into other genres he had never given himself the freedom to improvise or the freedom to even play Mm. jazz or you know and, and classical music sadly has just become quite straight and quite kind of we have to recreate something perfectly in order mm. for it to be worthy to, to to sort of share I suppose and that's sadness because like there's a lot of performing people who have such creativity and want to bring something different and want to bring something like broader yeah um and that leads on incredibly well to the next question <laughs> which is about your kind of career I suppose as a singer-songwriter and Lakshmi, which is your singer-songwriting uh, band and project. And I just yeah. love to hear about how this project came about and how you, because you say you started it throughout college, how you kind of balance this alongside violin and, and what the project is and, and what it is you do within it. Yeah, so um, I suppose like doing that singer-songwriter thing, like when I was younger, you know, I was a very like, I guess, precocious child who just wanted to do everything and be good at everything. So I was like, I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to be a singer and I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm, I'm a violinist and I'm going to do it all amazingly. And, uh, and there was definitely a part of me that always sort of held on to a bit of that. Um, and so whilst I was like learning violin privately and being an orchestra, I was also just sort of doing, you know, guitar and a bit of songwriting and stuff at home and and I think my mum, my parents probably were like the ones who encouraged me to go out and go busking because they, I don't know, didn't care about my safety. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was doing that and uh, there was a great, there was a great project in Hereford called Livewire that was like supporting like young. Oh yeah, I remember you doing that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that was brilliant. That I probably, I'm so happy that I did get involved with them when I did um because it meant that I was also um experiencing being in like a little community of people who wanted to do that kind of music as well um and that was amazing for me also helped me see that okay maybe I could be good at that as well because I think that's always what what in something like creative like that you always need a little bit of validation from somewhere else Mm. to know that you're not just like wasting your time or something yeah or it's not just a hobby or whatever Yeah. yeah Um, and then I loved to like write and sort of always been like writing poetry, obviously going to music college. I didn't, I definitely had a few years where that wasn't my focus. And then, but I'd always said, if anyone asked me like, Oh, what are you going to get out of music college? I was like, Oh, I'm going to like keep doing the classical thing. And I'm also going to probably hopefully like take advantage of this network of amazing musicians and, We'll, we'll be like writing and improvising all this stuff and I said that a lot but I wasn't really doing it because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think the reality is was a bit different from maybe what I'd expected and then uh, I think it was my third year of the four-year undergrad that I saw my opportunity and I took it because um, I think we had a we had to do like a creative project and that was like one of our main um, assignments for the year and they said, you know, this can be on anything. It doesn't even have to be to do with like you and your instrument and classical music, or whatever. So I was like, well, great. This is my chance to create a band, finish writing and record some music properly and do it all in the name of uh, my degree. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to have some really great friends who were doing the, who were on the popular music course. Oh, great. At the RNCM. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of very nervously like took my stuff to them <laughs> and um and it, it it turned out really really well and I think probably because I was doing it you know quote unquote just because it was a project for school it meant that I I wasn't a, I, I felt like well you know I'm justified in like putting time into it and 
figure out like what's my what's the name of the band what's our how are we going to market this like things like that that I probably wouldn't have done if it was just under my own steam necessarily um and well Lakshmi is just my middle name so you know not a lot of work went into that (laughs) that band name um but we sort of so since then yeah like what what's what's happened I mean like it looks pretty exciting from Instagram (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well don't let the social media fool no you. that's the thing you know I, I'm aware um, of that but also I am excited about this <laughs> um I have you know I like I have high hopes and big plans um a lot of them are still on hold at the moment for various reasons of just like schedule and like restrictions obviously we haven't been able to get together in ages but basically so I because we released REP in uh, 2020 that was the beginning of I think it was around the beginning of lockdown I think it was May I should know this uh but obviously like so we'd released it and we'd I'd been doing a few like open mic stuff around Manchester which was really fun with like um one of our guitarists Dan or sometimes it was James and um like we'd had some really good feedback from like the BBC introducing Hereford they were really, really great and supportive and like played with stuff and made just like artist of the week at one point. And oh, that was wow. really, really nice. And that was very, very exciting. And then obviously lockdown happened. And then I think it was just sort of like, uh, I think this is the wrong stage to try and push a very new project yeah. just virtually. Um, so it's all very much been on hold, but I love doing it. Um, I love that I just it's just that's one thing actually that really stuck out to me the difference between R and CM and for example at Royal College where I was we wouldn't have had even a little bit of like the opportunity to have done something like that like yeah. no way it was like what did I do in the third year like mu- well, I loved it but like music and literature <laughs> yeah you know there was they, they, we didn't have that kind of scope to like branch out and experiment like Mm. I think maybe the vibe in Manchester it does feel more like that and obviously with having the pop course there which is not obviously RCM style (laughs) um that that's amazing that like you could take this kind of idea that you had and always wanted to develop I suppose and make it into something like tangible that you could actually promote and actually work on and like yeah and actually I should say because I also got, I was super, super lucky um, because when it came to recording, the organisation that I was working with in Sheffield, um, they were giving me a bursary anyway at the time and they were basically like, we'll fund your recording. Oh my gosh. Um, And so we did it at these amazing studios in Sheffield. And so that was, it just, yeah, it just came together. And that's so interesting that you say that about like just the difference even between the different music colleges it definitely made it definitely had a big effect I think on lots of people the fact that there was a popular music course happening alongside us even though there were definitely divides and like I've heard lots of different stories of if like some of the classical students were getting involved with some of the popular music projects like their teachers just li- didn't approve and they would literally just tell them like you should sh- you shouldn't be doing yeah. that I don't want you to do I'm that I'm not surprised like how crazy is that though like you're gonna tell so someone snobby. no this isn't the right kind of music or endeavor to be involved oh, in <laughs> literally I want to say so many rude words about that whole dialogue though because it's so disgusting and it really I'm not surprised there is this awful snobbery it's it's yeah. really sad because there are some really talented pop artists out there, like, and and all kinds of artists, like, in all kinds of genres, which are kind of more popular and you know, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and like, I mean, I think I was lucky enough. Like, my teacher never said anything like that, really. Although I do think that you know there was always the expectation that if you're at music college, well, you should basically just be, as I said before, you should be just in a practice room, practicing the things that you'll be learning in your lesson or in orchestra or in your chamber music and that's it but and if I and the fact that I wasn't I did sort of feel like I was constantly disappointing my teacher which I struggled with a lot like I can mm. slightly smile about it now because I'm like no this I I I'm happy that I that I did what I did because yeah 
you're true to it yourself was, yeah, yeah I was pursuing what I wanted to do and I loved I did love certain aspects of being at music college I wanted to be there yeah and I think <laughs> what you say about like feeling like you're letting your teacher down or disappointing them because you're branching out like that's a real reality for a lot of people yeah that really oh is I don't know the amount of times I literally just went and like cried after my lesson purely because of that <laughs> yeah and it's a it's a real 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 problem because I'm I mean even in terms of you know having a difficult time in, in your personal life and not being able mm. to practice because of that or having projects <laughs> or having work or having you know <laughs> I literally said I remember one time having my lesson or whatever my teacher's like how are you and I was like oh actually like not very good like you know I, I broke up with my boyfriend and it's like I'm having a really tough time and he's like oh well you know the solution don't you just practice <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm sure it was jokey but also not and like, oh my god that reminds me like it's literally like I had almost exactly the same experience in my first year at college where like <laughs> I literally was having the worst fucking time of my life I'd had like two weeks of like panic attack every day and I came to my teacher and I was like mm. I can't cope at college I want to leave London I can't cope I can't cope but she was like I know what's going to help I'm going to schedule you to play in a concert <laughs> in two weeks time so you'll have no time to feel anxious because you'll just be practicing oh <laughs> uh, yeah so that didn't work mm. uh, <laughs> that made everything worse um wow. but it's hilarious what what people think can, uh, is going to help uh yeah so mm. that, that makes me laugh um but moving on, <laughs> I'd really like to, for you to talk a little bit about how you got involved with Chinike. Yeah, what was it like? How did you get involved? What's it been like? I mean, you talked a bit about, you know, this incredible concert in Birmingham and all that. But I'd love to I'd love to hear about like the process of just getting involved and like all that. Yeah, I'd say oh, what year did they start now? I don't want to get it wrong. I'm just I'm just checking it <laughs> but I, I think in my head it was maybe oh it's 2015 um so that was you know only six years ago so they're quite new and I remember being very aware of them when they first started out and seeing like these articles and they played I think at the proms and things and I was like wow this is incredible and I remember like telling people about it I was like wow have you heard of this this is amazing I'm gonna be in that like, like one oh. day you know like and then and then so and you know hopefully younger me would be like proud <laughs> but, but I think I it's I've, I have the worst memory by the way for like sequences of events but at some point I believe they came to the RNCM and did a lot of performance and that was amazing and I went and watched and I think I may have spoken to to Chi Chi the founder in person though I'm not sure and I also had sent her an email I sent them an email just being like oh I'd love to get involved in like whatever way you have they had a junior orchestra as well mm-hmm. um so I was like you know whatever whatever I can do I'd love to and I think it took quite a long time for that to happen or gosh, what happened? I played, they invited me to go and play at Chi Chi's house, which was terrifying. Oh my God. Like solo. Um, yeah. Like that's Ooh. how they, that's sort of their, their audition process. You know, for like the younger people, like obviously they, they have a massive like variety of musicians that involve like international touring musicians. Stuff like. So for the younger people who are studying or or just finished studying you have to go and play at her house and you know like she's a formidable woman like absolute powerhouse has made this whole project happen I'm like don't look like you know I can't even imagine how much pushback there probably was in creating it but like when you're a very inexperienced musician yeah I was absolutely terrified uh and I went and played it didn't go very well actually <laughs> hilariously um I definitely think my nerves like got the better of me, but it yeah, happened. I'm not surprised. Like, gave me some feedback, and I was like, okay. And then I think sometime after that, like maybe several months or even longer, like they just needed someone. They were like, oh, we need someone to come down like tomorrow and play. And I think it might have even been at like Abbey Road, and I was like, yes. <gasps> oh. <laughs> and then they, you know, like they give. 
they have this really brilliant thing that they will also Gigi makes a point of having a few like younger people in every project and just giving them that chance because otherwise where are you going to get that chance you know um, <laughs> and so there's a there's I, I went and I and I loved it and like I basically just didn't stop and Gigi has kept inviting me back to do such amazing concerts like we've done um we had a Europe tour the end of 2019 or beginning of 2020 maybe we had a Europe tour we've had concerts in you know we played for the children's proms concert we've like premiered a new work by Hans Zimmer they had a USA tour planned that which would have been last spring um so I believe that is postponed at the moment um but it's just been amazing and it's a really really nice group of people to be part of and now like whenever we all get together again I think there's a real feeling of just like I don't know I want a better word than camaraderie <laughs> that's all that's coming to mind well that's um, that's what it looks like when you watch you guys perform it's just like so meant to be and there's just an extra added something of like I don't know <laughs> mm. I don't know where you get it from I I think that like everyone knows that it's important as well yeah, on another yeah. level like what we're doing there um and like going back to that Birmingham concert like even afterwards I think I was I was waiting for my parents out in the foyer and like you know I had like audience members coming up and like literally being like in tears like thank oh. you so much like my daughter's seeing this and I was just like I mean oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> that's I guess the point you know kind of going back to the other question of like when you're when you were studying as like a younger person you're looking up to predominantly male white violinists I mean there are yeah. some brilliant female violinists as well but like you know they all look kind of the same they're all very kind of stereotypically beautiful the ones on the main kind of solo stage and mm -hmm. like to have an orchestra for a young a young person who you know maybe wants to be a violinist or cellist or whatever and doesn't think that they look right or doesn't know that there are any people like them to see this orchestra is like wow i can i can imagine the number one motivator yeah but it's exactly the same thing that's going on in so many areas at the moment of like when you see like uh celebrities or whoever coming out as non-binary and people are like well why does this matter well, it's, it clearly matters to so many people and it's purely visibility and I think I remember an interview that Chi Chi did talking about forming Chinake and people were basically like she was like I want to form <clears throat> I want to find all of these amazing classical musicians um that are, are from different backgrounds and they're like well are you gonna be able to find any like are there any like that was a genuine question I think that was asked Ooh, of her yeah like, it's like well okay now you don't have to ask that question because no. they're there. People are actually listening to them now <laughs> instead of kind of like making them yeah. fall back into the shadows. Yeah. And, and I, I can't even imagine what it would have felt like to see, to have a teacher, to have like a music teacher or, you know, have a bit of a violin teacher who was like a black woman. I honestly just couldn't even imagine it. It's so true. Yeah. And oh gosh, I love this. I love this. I'm so I'm just so pleased that she took the risk to make it a reality and that you're able to be involved and that I'm able to talk to you. It's like sick. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd really like to go on now just a bit to talk about I mean also because I think another element of things that aren't spoken about enough is, you know, mental health problems and Absolutely. actually mental health problems among black people. I, I would just really, really like to hear like your experience of anxiety um and maybe talk about you know you spoke to me I think you replied to one of my posts I made about seasonal affective disorder mm. um and if you could just share a bit of your story about that if you're happy to um yeah happily um I guess it's an interesting one because I guess everyone has like um uh, uh, I think everyone at some point has a journey that they that they have with their mental health of going oh okay this is what I have to deal with <laughs> um, 
And for me, I think that part of it certainly was being at music college and feeling just the intense pressure of like practice schedules and the levels of perfection or well it was never perfection but the level the level of skill that we were expected to reach and just the the criticism I think um and the kind of you're expected to be so critical of yourself that how could to me it's like how could anyone unless you are literally just perfect which Mm -hmm. who is how could you go through music college and not be affected by that atmosphere um so you know for me like I guess that's manifested in like I struggle quite a lot with anxiety at the moment uh in different ways in many different areas like you know like social um social anxiety anxiety around like work pressures deadlines and whatever yeah (laughs) um and I think it took me quite a long time even just to come to terms with that because Mm. You know, I've always been very high achieving and, you know, my family's very high achieving, uh, not because someone was there going, you have to be perfect, but we just, you know, we were very lucky to all sort of enjoy specific things. And yeah, be motivated. Those areas. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I guess it's quite funny, really, because fairly recently have I spoken to like members of my family about it. But not because I, I thought for any particular reason they would be unsupportive, but it just felt like embarrassing. Mm. Like, you know, I'm meant to be really good at what I do and just like, yeah, a smashing life. And like, I wasn't. I don't know if I've spoken to my parents in it in so many words, but just like, I'll be like, yeah, I'm just struggling around this deadline. And then I think I've probably talked to some of my sisters about it more. And I've talked to them about like going to therapy and CBT and stuff and you know and that's been fine and I think they've they've been like do do you want me to like talk to mum and dad about it I'm like, yeah that, that would be good yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> sometimes that's <laughs> useful to have a kind of secondary person to be able to co- like communicate it though I think there shouldn't be any shame in that because that is sometimes the way it feels easiest to to communicate yeah and most you know most of that most of the reluctance is literally coming from me it's not anyone yeah going, you know it's gonna feel really awkward though like I get that like it is a really kind of sensitive thing and plus people like our parents have grown up in a different kind of society's view around mental health and mm. of course it should be something that we feel comfortable comfortable saying but the reality is it just still doesn't feel comfortable <laughs> it really doesn't like yeah if it's something that hasn't been spoken about before as well to bring yeah. it up for the first time is like horrible horrible yeah so in terms Um, of um you speaking about cbt is that something that you acquired through like the nhs or is that something you found privately i first um encountered it when in my i think it was my last year of my undergrad and i think i just went to our I can't remember remember what her title is, but she's like the main port of call for like, if you're having any issues at college. Like social, not social services, what's it called? (laughs) Not something else. (laughs) Um, Student services. Yeah. Yeah. And I basically went to her and I was like, I'm really, really struggling. Um, And, you know, I'd been struggling for a long time before that. And I think like my, my, like my boyfriend had been like spending a long time being like, maybe you should just ask for like a bit of support. And I was like, no. And then at some point I was like, yeah, okay. Oh, I did. And and you know I wish I'd done it much earlier now obviously but it's easy to to say that <clears throat> but I so then I was so then they had I think dedicated uh, CBT therapists through that I accessed through the college um, which was really good as well because it meant that they were used to dealing with all of the music college students that's brilliant yeah and like so they like the the person I had like they were amazing that like they didn't in any way downplay like the pressures that we were like under which was so nice for me um and I found you know that was really really useful and it's helpful it was kind of my first experience of talking very openly about all those things and it really helped me to just like understand what was going on and just like normalize it it was 
uh, sorry, no, it was basically just around, I think, anxiety and like just putting the amount of pressure I think I put on myself. So since then, I mean, I'm guessing that that's really helped you kind of manage it to a certain extent. But there's a lot to be said for CBT where like it might not always get to like the root of the issue completely. Yes. A lot of people have described it to me as like a plaster. And that's even how like therapists will explain it. I think it's really? sort of like, it's a good, so interesting. It's a good plaster, you know. It's it's good mm. for you to manage what's going on now, but actually sometimes we need to like really understand the root cause of the issue or whatever. So since since you had that like CBT in fourth year, how's it been? Like, yeah. So I guess so. Since then, fourth year, and you know, I finished college, which you know, the the relief was 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 substantial <laughs> uh, for me and I was I was t- for me I felt like I was doing pretty well like freelancing for those few months and then obviously lockdown happened pretty soon after that and as with everyone that effectively that affected me massively uh, and obviously it completely derailed my work trajectory that I was on uh, with all of these projects that I was trying to just you know, I was trying to do my thing and then it just stopped and I was like, okay, maybe I'm not as great as I thought. Uh, and then this past winter was just so incredibly tough. Um, you know, with everyone, like I was not with any of my family. Um, and, uh, you know, I was in Manchester, but obviously, like a lot of people being around that kind of student phase still have like gone home to their families. And I didn't have that option because my parents have actually moved country. Um, so I've been here pretty much since the summer. I've been in Manchester with my boyfriend. We live in a house together. It's a lovely house. But then when it's, I don't even need to describe, I think, the context of the past year mm. and like the, you know, all the things that everyone's been dealing with. But I was just like, I actually don't know that I've ever felt like this to this degree. And so I went, I went to the NHS probably in January, I'd say. And they re- they referred me back to CBT because obviously I hadn't done it through the NHS. So they referred me to that and I did that. I had six weeks with someone and that was good I think I think it was good to do again because I'm probably a bit even even just a few years difference like I'm a bit more mature and like a bit more self-aware um so that was useful and also because you know yeah it's like a plaster is quite a good way of describing it but I, I probably needed that because like life is going on and it needed to like deal with it yeah 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 <laughs> um and then I'm currently on the waiting list for some like non, I don't know, I don't even know what you call it, just like counselling. Yeah, and is, is that on the NHS as well? Just curious. Um, so that's actually through, basically they said, the, the organisation I was with that I'd gone to through the NHS, they were like, we can uh, keep you like within our organisation to refer you, but actually you'll it'll be way, way quicker if you go through like community um mm-hmm. whatever it is I don't know community counseling I can't remember the term um <clears throat> which is way less just way less people access it from my understanding and you do technically like there is a charge but if you can prove that you're you know it's means tested so for me you know it's still free that's really good and the the waiting list is way shorter like I know people who've been on the waiting list since like before last. Oh, like, the waiting the, lists are year. just terrifying! <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant that you've managed to find yes. something like that though. So, if people should go to their community, um, yeah, what's that called? What community men- is it? Community mental health officer or community mental health it's... service? I will <laughs> look it up while we chat. Yeah, look, at, well, look it up. You can always you send know. it to me afterwards, and I can. <laughs> do more research about that because I haven't really heard much about that at all but that sounds brilliant um completely brilliant so I'm guessing that will be kind of like just general I mean I suppose you don't know until you have it but like just talking therapy I suppose is it 
Yeah, yeah, talking therapy. So it's exactly what I'm saying. It's, it's, you know, I just, it, you know, I think everyone could benefit from a bit of delving into what's really going on. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're very, you're very good and very, very humble to say like oh my gosh, for everyone, like, of course, for everyone, the last year's been hard, and, like, you know, everyone's <laughs> mental health is, uh, and it's like, yeah, but actually, <laughs> I think for some, some people have had much harder blows than others, other people have found this to be quite a relief, some people have found this to be, like, really crap, and it, it's the kind of compulsion that, like, you demonstrate, and I demonstrate, and a lot of people do, where it's like, I can't, I can't admit to my problems because I'm really scared that people are going to think I'm complaining when I know everyone's struggling. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And I think, like, we should own that. It's like, yeah, it's been crap. <laughs> the, <laughs> the winter was awful. Like, I think you'll be one of a few people, of course, but, like, to have hit lockdown, like, just before Christmas, and you just like, explain, like, such a terrifying, horrible situation of, like, being away from family, not having, like, any work security. And, yeah. Like, and it being winter as well. <laughs> yeah I literally like I think I didn't because we you know when there's not lockdown we there are so many distractions in life like even if you hate the winter you can distract yourself with going out to brightly lit places and mm. loud places and blah blah whereas actually I was just in my dark house and you know like I'd be working on my laptop because <laughs> um, remotely on whatever it was and it would be dark and I'd be like, okay, but I still need to, like, not, I still need to, like, function. Um, and I know for me, like, things that help me, like, that help my mental health, literally seeing the sun is can make that difference for me. Like The um, ability to be outside in the daylight hours. Yeah, and like it means I I I've, I've been like so thankful for the brightness of the spring. <laughs> it's so yeah, um, it's real though. Yeah, um, but I've never actually like you know spoken to anyone about that. I don't know that much about it about so, like yes. seasonal affective disorder, but I know that um, for me it was it was it was definitely there and um, tangible, like the difference yes. between it. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. I really get that. I think, yeah, and I mean, I've spoken about having it the other way around and I, you know, I get very alive mm. in the winter and I really shut down in the summer and, you know, people kind of laugh about it, but it's a real horrible, horrible thing to go through because you can't escape being in winter. Yeah. It's like, there's, of course, there's an end, but it's kind of, it's not as immediate as it, you want it to be, you know? And that's no, it's how like, I, you don't want to like dread half the year. Yeah. That's just not a way to function. Well, hopefully everything will kind of settle winter or no winter next year. Oh. Yeah. But I, I think we've covered like everything. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been literally the most incredible pleasure to talk to you, Ray. Oh my gosh. No, well, thank you for having me. It's been really, really nice. I could. I could continue to talk. Oh, I could continue to listen. Like, (laughs) honestly, I'm really excited for people to hear all about what you're up to. And yeah, your journey is like important, really important, especially with kind of wanting to be more than just a classical violinist, you know? And I'm just like, I feel so proud of you and so inspired by you as well that you like didn't fall into this kind of straight laced, like, this is what a violinist should be and I can't be any different than that you know mm. what I mean I, lo- I well, love that so, <laughs> and I think that yeah. like well I think the thing that I had to and I you know I probably still sometimes struggle with was not just thinking well because I want to do more than just do classical violin I would always worry that that was like um I was doing multiple things which obviously you know to some extent meant that I was spreading yourself thinly the best kind of violinist out there which I was okay with because that wasn't my goal but it meant that I really really struggled like comparing myself yeah <laughs> to people I'm just like, well, it's not just I an just easy decision I'm not the best yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you believe it <laughs> no well thank you so much because I uh, just such a pleasure talking to you and uh, oh yeah before you go if you could um say your social media 
uh, that would be awesome. So people can keep in touch with you if oh, possible, if, sure. if you like. I mean, if you're not, if yeah. you don't want that, then don't worry. It depends what kind of things you want to see. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I'd say um, Instagram is the best way to to keep in touch with I don't know whatever 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 I feel like sharing. But so I have like my personal one I'd say though it's mainly like my classical music endeavors and there's a lot of chinike things on there um and that's my Instagram and it's ray of sun and it's spelled r-a-y of sun zero seven that's my Instagram and if you feel like hearing some sweet sweet sort of pop music (laughs) then you can follow uh my Instagram page which is lakshmi underscore music um l-a-k-s-h-m-i are you on spotify as well yes yeah i am um (laughs) i think it's quite hard to find me because i don't have a lot of fans (laughs) (laughs) you will now everyone go support ray please (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna like oh if you go on my instagram and then uh, click on the link it'll take you to my EP but that's a full lie because I just haven't edited my profile in a long time so I'm going to do that right now thanks, thanks for the reminder it's okay but thank you so much for having me that's though. okay we really look forward to like seeing how it all goes with Lakshmi and Chinike and everything so thank you thanks so right, much I, you do and I hope like I actually see you soon in real life that will be so nice <laughs>